Welcome to this month's Millennial Spotlight brought to you by Lead with Intention. I'm Leslie Bosserman, executive coach and lifestyle strategist, partnering with millennial leaders and their managers. The purpose of these conversations with millennial changemakers is to deepen and extend the dialogue around how to lead with intention. This month, we're focusing on the intention of wellness and how you can create a habit of self-care to enhance your life. I'm excited to be here with Nikki Stern, who's a holistic health coach and intuitive eating counselor. She's on a mission to help women make peace with food and with their bodies so they can live in a world where women feel comfortable in their skin and confident in who they are. Welcome, Nikki. Hi. Thanks for having me, Leslie. Of course. It's so great to be together. So uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background. Great. So my background um, comes from, well, lots of places. If I think long and hard about it, it actually all started when I was quite young. Um, When I was about five years old, I don't remember this per se, but my mom tells the story a lot. Um, I used to come in and as a mom now, I'm like, this is really great, Nikki. I used to go into her room at like 530 in the morning (laughs) on the weekends. (laughs) And I'd be like, mom, mom, let's get up and exercise. And she was like, (laughs) absolutely not. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was the 80s. So there was on PBS early in the morning (laughs) were these ladies in their awesome 80s aerobics gear doing aerobics in the morning. And I just really thought that my mom and I should be doing that. Called called to the leotards. Yes. (laughs) Totally. Um, And so in a funny way, this kind of piece of like interest in movement Um, and connecting with my body has been part of my life since I was a little girl and I didn't necessarily put that together up until recently. So I know you work as a holistic health coach in Sacramento. So tell me a little bit more about how you got into that work. Right. So I, in college, became kind of a professional at comparing myself to other people Um, and then regularly like coming up short. And so I was really unhappy with myself and very insecure. And I used to really use food to kind of fill these gaps where I wasn't getting my needs met. Mm. And eventually that became an eating disorder. And I was bulimic for a few years and really just really desperate to feel more in control of my life, which is ironic because Growing up does not (laughs) feel in control at all. Um, But it was a coping mechanism for me in a lot of ways. And I was fortunate that it didn't last that long. And I was able to find my way out with some help and with therapy. Um, And even though it wasn't active after that, I wasn't actively in an eating disorder, um, in quotes, I still had very little respect and trust for my body. So I really kind of ignored it or like pushed it too hard, didn't say nice things to her. And I just really struggled in that area. And two experiences I had really changed um, my relationship with my body. One was about 12 years ago when I started doing yoga regularly, like as a regular practice. Um, And I was like, I was there to get a yoga body, you know, Mm -hmm. I was, I was like shorter and curvy and I thought I'll just do yoga and I will be tall and skinny, obviously. Yeah. Isn't it great how we, um, our assumptions rule our behavior a lot of the time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was funny in so many ways. 
And then I went to yoga and got, instead of what I wanted, I got what I needed, which was um, just this really coming home to myself. And I was like, oh, this is what my feet feel like. This is what my belly and my core feels like, which was a very vulnerable, uncomfortable part of my body for me. And so that really, and I noticed that the way that I interacted with myself and with food changed around that time as well. And then the next time that it happened was about six and a half years ago or seven years ago when I got pregnant with my son and my body was growing a human. Like it was insane. And I wasn't doing anything. Like I'd spent my life with my brain bossing my body around, telling it what it should and shouldn't be doing and what it should look like and, you know, who it's supposed to be. And here I was, I had no control over this thing that was happening. It was, it was incredible. And I did a lot of studying and I learned a lot about like natural birth and went through that process. And again, beautiful, shocking that the body knows how to do this. And so again, I, I had another piece of evidence for how I could trust that my body actually might know what it needs. Mm. Um, and that was really, that was a really big light bulb moment for me. And so after I had my son, I, I actually suffered from postpartum depression for about a year and I got help with that. I noticed a lot of my old coping mechanisms with food came back. Um, but I was in a place where I could see it. And so I was a little more gentle with myself because now I had a child to raise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, what are you going to, how are you going to get through this? And in about that time, um, I was just feeling really, really called to do something around that because I felt that I had so many wonderful resources, um, and so that's when I found the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and became a holistic health coach because what really resonated with me there was this idea that it's not all about dieting and eating right and exercising, you know, a prescripted amount of time each week. Um, it was more about all of like all of the things like how am all of my needs getting met so that I don't try to um, kind of supplement them with things that are easy, like food or drinking too much wine or like whatever the thing might be. And so that really resonated with me. And I went through that program for about a year. And ever since I have been um, health coaching and really it's come, come to this place where I'm realizing that the way we take care of ourselves is very deep and also very simple. Like it's not that easy, but it's also like really simple. Like we don't have to do really fancy things. It's really about paying attention and tapping into our intuition and learning to trust our bodies. Mm. So, so much. Like everything you're saying not, not only resonates with me as a woman and as someone who has grown a human and <laughs> all of right. that as well, but it's, it's knowing that wellness is so holistic, and I love that focus. So um, with that in mind, tell us a little bit more about how you approach um, both practicing and teaching wellness. 
practicing wellness has been, I would not say it's come naturally to me. Um, so much of it, and I'll bring this up again later, I think, because it's in thinking about it, it's been really powerful is this practice of being reflective and, and just paying attention and noticing the things that are happening, like, Oh, that felt good. Or that didn't feel so good. Or like, maybe that's not how I really wanted to handle that. Or maybe I said yes, when I really wanted to say no. And that's why I'm feeling this angst right now. Um, and it's really just about kind of having this conversation with yourself. Um, and again, that's how I approach it with my clients is, is a lot of them come to me from this place where I've been, which is my brain is bossing my body around. Like, it's like, Hey, you need to do this. You need to be better at this. And there's, and it's, so it's kind of this fight and it's just this constant back and forth, which is a huge energy suck. Um, and so it's, how can we, how can we come together instead of have this like good versus evil, like fight going on um, and have a conversation about it and start to understand like, oh my gosh, like my body is actually telling me what it needs. I just have to get kind of quiet enough to listen to it. So that awareness is the first piece and then quieting your mind and your life is a whole nother component. So when you think about mm -hmm. the quieting process, how have you practiced that? Or how do you recommend just allowing the stillness and the quiet to happen in our lives that are so busy and so dynamic? Oh, they are so busy. <laughs> um, I, the way I do it, a couple things is I really want to emphasize to people the goal is to become an expert in yourself. And part of that is knowing what your needs are. And I'm, I'm like, if, if there's a scale, and I think there is, there's a scale of like from extrovert to introvert. And I'm like on the absolute end of the introvert side. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm like a mega introvert. And what that means for me is I require a kind of insane amount of downtime and alone time to recharge. And so knowing that about myself rather than what I used to do, which was feel like I was broken and there was something wrong with me and, you know, I just didn't have what I needed. Um, I've started to cultivate this practice of knowing like, okay, like here's, for example, when I do weekend retreats, that's like four days I'm teaching I'm cooking. I'm like, I'm doing a lot of output. And so I build into my schedule, like there's nothing on my calendar after I get back from a retreat. Cause I'm going to be like, hold up, like in my bed, reading a book, like being quiet <laughs> for at least like three days to recharge myself. And so that's like a big example, but there's really what I work with people is there are these tiny little touch points during your day. A lot of times I start, clients like as a um explaining to them it's like bookending their day so we have like a small little practice to get quiet and grounded in the morning and another one in the evening like when they get home from work or some sort of like transition um from you know a day of working into whatever your responsibilities or 
time out is with your family in the evening. And for me, that's morning meditation. And it's nothing crazy. It's like 20 minutes of me getting quiet. Everyone knows to stay out of the room. Like it's, it's become a thing. And I also know now that if I skip that for two days, there, there are consequences. <laughs> it's not good for anybody. Well, and what's so powerful about that is you know that as yourself, but your family also sees that. They see the impact of, yeah. hey, Nikki's mom's, her wellness practice is, is central to our family's well-being. And it models that because we need to be not just walking our talk, but like living it and teaching it and breathing mm-hmm. it. And I think the, the most <laughs> salient way of seeing that is, is failing in it at times. Oh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't know that, you know, two days is the limit if it hadn't happened. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I actually, yeah. yeah, I actually showed up to, um, we were talking about retreats earlier. I showed up to one of the retreats um, last year and just like was in this kind of overwork mode. I was like rushing and I forgot to eat lunch. So I was like eating in the car on the way there and I realized that I had skipped my morning meditation that day and the day before. And I was just so spun out by the time I showed up. I was like, okay, lesson learned. This does not work. Like, cause you have, it's like you have to remind yourself, like, oh, that 20 minutes I take in the morning, while sometimes when you get used to it, you're like, this could not, this probably isn't doing anything. It actually is because oh, it's foundational. It for, foundational. Yeah, you keep it for a couple of days, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> like, who's the crazy woman yes. in my body right now? <laughs> oh, it's it's interesting because I'm big on how behaviors turn into habits that shape our actions that turn into our character. Right. So you look at it from a purely like behavioral psychology perspective. Mm-hmm. It all is in sync. So I, I jumped on the bandwagon of bullet journaling um, earlier this year, which Aww. some people love, some people don't. I'm trying it out. I'm in my trial period, um, <laughs> going into month three. And when I look at it, and I started adding in like a habits tracker. So I'll track very specific things that I want to be intending to do each day. And like things as small as making sure my son brushes his teeth because he's 20 months old and has like seven teeth, but they still need to be brushed, right? And it's an easy thing to forget. And when I look at it, I kind of feel like it's the gold star chore list that you have when you're little that you tease about, but in the adults, awesome, like colored in version. So it's funny because there are times where I'm like, oh, did I floss? Did I floss my teeth? And that's a wellness practice that has Mm -hmm. long-term health implications. But how easy is it to get too tired or just say, oh, I'll just skip a day. But when I have to color in that box, Nikki, I'm telling you, I floss. <laughs> I floss so much more. So it's like, it's yes. funny. And it's not just about dental hygiene, right? Um, but it's about establishing lifestyle habits. And figuring out what sort of accountability works for you yes. in terms of like yours is the checking off of a box. Like that feel like you are motivated by that, right? Yes. And, you know, some people, a lot of my clients will ask, like, for some accountability on my end. So if even that's as little as me texting them saying, hey, let me know when you do your meditation, they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. 
now I'm <laughs> I'm beholden to Nikki. So well, it's important I'm enough do for it. you to remember, for you to ask, and for them to want to share that. Not just to please you, obviously, but to do it because it's now something that they have a community buy-in around. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So when you think about the millennials that you work with, so we're looking like ages 25 to 35 years old, mm-hmm. what are the trends that you're noticing around kind of wellness patterns or lack of wellness patterns? I think there's a lot. We're definitely tipping in the direction of more wellness patterns. And I say that because I have a lot of millennials, like, and it kind of surprises me in a way, I think. I'm like, oh, you guys are you guys are getting on the train early. <laughs> like, some people like aren't getting on until they're in their 60s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a really good sign. I'm like, oh, you guys are going to be like really dialed in like 10 years. It's going to feel good. <laughs> and so I think that there's there's a desire and an interest there. Like it's not, you know, it's not an, not that it's not important for people. And I think what I see in a lot of uh, my peers is the seeking of purpose and satisfaction in their life. And um, I'm happy to say that I'm surrounding myself with some of the most awesome people who are really challenging the definitions of health and well-being, which is in some ways can come really, I mean, commercially can come really close to looking like perfectionism, which I think is a really dangerous place to be. Um, and so I think in a lot of ways, people are starting to to be a little bit more mindful of want of like wanting this practice in their life. The thing I see that's not really happening, is and myself included is feeling like we have to get all of it done now or Mm -hmm. all of it done yesterday (laughs) because we are like everything moves at such a fast pace slowing down feels very very counterintuitive um just in in terms of like how our world is operating and so the multitasking is not always effective. And so we have to be really um, intentional, even if that means scheduling what we're doing, right, about managing our time and our priorities in, o- in order for us to be at our best. And so it's it's kind of this coming together of, I think what we are doing is we're really understanding that there's a need and there's a desire for us to integrate all of these parts of ourselves and create a wellness practice that works for us, that works for where we're at in our life. Um, but I think what's not happening quite yet is that we're able to actually like put it into action. That makes a lot of sense, especially around the piece where you mentioned just being able to slow down and recognizing how to slow down. Uh, when mm-hmm. I talk to millennials who I coach and who I interact with, we feel like we have to do it all now. And I don't know if if that lands with you or your clientele, um, but just the the idea of if I stop or if I even slow my pace down, will I fall behind? Will I be enough? Yeah. And also a little bit of like, if I don't keep all of my worries and concerns at the front of my mind, it's like, there's this fear of like letting that go a little bit. Mm. And so I'm always like, I invite you to let that go. (laughs) Like, yeah, you have permission. You're in charge. Yeah. 
Yeah, like you are in charge. You are. Oh, that's a that's a big one. There's so much truth and power in that too. If if you can accept your level of influence over kind of creating that mindset. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, we might have to do a whole other episode on that one, Nikki. I know. <laughs> I totally geek out on this stuff. Yeah. Oh, no, I do too. I know you do too. (laughs) Uh, So as we wrap up today, what advice do you have for millennials who just want to embrace wellness more or want to live a more healthier and balanced life? I offer that it's more simple than you think. And you do have permission to set it down. I kind of like describe it as you're like you're juggling a bunch of balls up in the air like what really needs to be up there right now and what can you set down for a minute um and like it's really what we need in order to be holistically like more healthier is these really like basic things they're not flashy and they're not shiny Um, But they are like these little things that tend to slip away from us when we get busy. Mm. And, you know, it's things like, like feeding yourself food that not only satisfies and tastes good, but makes like feeds your energy and moving your body in a way that works for you. Like it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to look a certain way. I'm a big fan of walking. Like it's it's not that sexy, (laughs) but it makes me feel great and things like rest and sleep and positive supportive relationships and having um, a reflective practice, I think is really important, whether that's journaling or just thinking back about your day or practicing gratitude. I think those are, are really effective. And in terms of what leaders can do, I think the biggest thing is to practice listening. I think we all need to practice listening, to be honest. Yes, especially managers who are trying to understand this awesome millennial generation that may not be what they mm. expect. So just how do you listen to what what wellness means, both in your, in your own life, but also to this generation that has different needs and desires? Right. And, you know, that's what I think that's what millennials want more than anything. They want work that's purposeful and that they feel connected to. And you can't feel connected if nobody's listening to you. Exactly. I think a human right and a human need is significance. And to feel that respect for who I am and what what I'm striving to do. Um, And I mean, our work lives tie into that as well as our personal lives. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much, Nikki, for being with us today. It's just awesome to hear about your journey and your story and how you're putting wellness to practice in your own life and for your clients. And so I encourage everyone to check out Nikki's work more. It's Nikki, N-I-K-K-I dash Stern, S-T-E-R-N dot com. And you can grab a free copy of her ebook. It's called Nourished, a Mindful Eating Guide. It's really awesome. So it's a great space to start if this is part of your journey that you're ready to embark on, or if you're just curious to learn more. Um, I also invite you to visit my site, leadwithintention.com, for just more insight and other perspectives from millennial changemakers. Uh, We are offering some custom leadership services as well as some individual and team development opportunities that you can engage in more. So we hope to just boost some transformation this spring. So thanks again for being with us. This is Leslie Bosserman inviting you to join the wholehearted leadership revolution as you continue leading with intention.